we have the fun privilege of having the Reverend Doctor, well, I don't know if it's either Reverend or a Doctor, but his name is Phil Alessi, a good friend of ours down here in practice, um, and uh, a couple of years ago when we could do the rare thing of uh, this thing called flying, I know it's going to be something that we look at history and we're going to go amazing, but uh, a few years ago I had the privilege of flying to Chicago and going to a DMM conference there, and uh, the conference was good, but what was really good was meeting with Phil. And what was unique about Phil was not just Phil, but the company that he kept. And uh, Phil was surrounded by rough guys that just didn't fit into the Christian scene. They were guys covered with tats and and uh, and spoke a different kind of language in the sense of their they were tough and rough. And I, I was immediately interested. And Phil began to share his story on working in prisons and how God was birthing movement there and uh, I was caught I was hooked and uh, we had Phil down here in Australia for a couple of weeks and uh, just going around different parts uh, encouraging prison ministries and today we're running a prison huddle as in a, a huddle for people who are working with prisons and institutions and Phil's leading us through so well Phil welcome to the podcast well, Dave, it's great to be with you. Uh, we really loved our time uh, down under with you and uh, also Singapore and uh, uh, New Zealand. Uh, really precious times meeting the people that uh, you introduced us to down there. Uh, mm. Ruth Ann and I just uh, celebrated 50 years together, uh, our anniversary, and uh, as I introduce her to people, I say, uh, congratulate me and pity her. <laughs> so that's that's, that's all I know. But uh, yeah, we've uh, we live in we live in the Chicago area. We're we're from the east coast of uh, the U.S., but we have been out here. This is the second time we're in the Chicago area. Been out here about um, twelve years this time, and. Uh, on this particular trip, uh, God plugged us into uh, uh, a movement. It's something that we had been searching for for years and uh, always wanted to find out how can you reach the greatest amount of people possible. Hmm. And, uh, you know, kind of followed, uh, kind of followed our gifting and op- opportunities, uh, which has always been looking for for people far from God, uh, getting close to them, helping them find Jesus. But then um, things really changed when we began uh, realizing that uh, God was in the process of uh, creating these ministry megaphones called People of Peace, Hmm. who can take our whispers and turn into a, a symphony that reaches a lot of people. And um, another thing we learned in the process is uh, how much better it is to have them discover what the Bible is saying than to try to, than to, try to tell them what, uh, what is in the pages. And uh, it's so refreshing to hear uh, 
from their perspective, you know, in, in their parlance, in their in their language. Just a couple of weeks ago, a guy that we've been working with uh, for years, uh, he was on the inside again, hmm. and um, which happens a lot. We're never surprised at this, but um, he went inside and uh, got a spiritual tune-up. And uh, he began uh, leading discovery studies uh, while on the inside there and ministering to people, and he got out. And so I had we had dinner with him and his girlfriend, and he, he just says, man, I just want to be a pastor to that group of guys I was with. I just want to, mm. I just want to reach them. And uh, he said... Uh, I reminded, I reminded me of you. You saying to me that, uh, you know, the things I had taught him over the years were really coming to fruition now. So, uh, you know, that's. I think that's that's part of the difference of what we're talking about here is that um, the greatest potential for reaching uh, people inside inside jails and prisons are already in the jails and prisons. Mm. And um, it's our privilege to come and encourage them, get to know them, coach them, teach them, and then let them let them share it on the inside with uh, with people. And uh, mm. it just goes it just goes full, so much further that way. It's not dependent upon. Uh, people coming in, but it's dependent upon uh, those that are already there. So mm. that's just a couple of things that uh, that we've learned over the years and have seen uh, God multiply that over and over again. Wow. For those that are, are interested or not aware of Phil's story, we'll be posting a link on the, um, on the website as Phil did a number of interviews outlining his story of how he he jumped into uh connecting with prisoners and subsequently out of restricting himself to just a few um leaders or being restricted rather by authorities uh the movement took off as uh inside leaders uh grabbed hold of a discovery process and and uh, started discovery groups uh, resulting in thousands of men and women uh, coming to know Jesus. Um, Phil, this might be a a little bit of a curveball question, but what's so great about Jesus? Well, he's put up with me for about 51 years. (laughs) You know, we... Ruth Ann and I are at or nearing 70 and and found him in our teens and um, we just find that during every during every stage of life that we've been through that we've grown to know him and love him more and uh, you know I, I never thought as a, you know as a teenage kid um who probably loved drugs more than most things would be uh, walking away from all that and uh, 
and following Jesus. It's kind of like uh, Peter when he's fishing and Jesus tells him to throw the net out. You know, I think of Peter's wet knees as he's kneeling before Jesus. And Jesus says, follow me, and I'll teach you to fish for men. So that's hmm. that's what it's been. Uh, natural fishermen, I don't know, I think I've caught like three fish in my life. <laughs> but the other kind is kind of interesting. Hmm. My grandkids are great. Yeah. Are, love fishing, but, uh, you know. And what does what does Jesus do in prisons with prisoners and in in places of darkness? You know, where what are what's some of the the works that Jesus you see? You know, you're living in that world and you're you're interacting and what, what does Jesus do? Yeah, when when guys say after finding Jesus, when they say, you know what? I'm glad that I'm in here because I found the Lord. And if I can help one other person discover what I've discovered, this whole thing will be worth it. And I'm mm. thinking, man, you know, I'm sitting there and listening to this guy and saying, and I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I could say that. Mm-hmm. You know, but that that kind of uh, how how the Lord reveals Himself to people. Um. And just, just answers to prayer. How, you know, guys and guys and gals are seeing the Lord answer answer prayer in a pretty amazing way on the inside. And uh, it it it's also the how you define words. You know, when Jesus said in uh, Luke four, coming from Isaiah sixty one, that I will proclaim liberty to the captives. You know, there there are guys and gals on the inside that realize that even though they're captives, they're free. Hmm. And um, some of them even have a burden for reaching the uh, their captors. You know, seeing uh, seeing officers come to faith, and uh, hmm. that's probably not a large number, but just seeing that seeing that beauty come through um, you know a lot of what's happening in the world today um, in terms of different ethnic groups and political groups dividing more and more and more and backing away from each other I think mm-hmm. of one of the guys on the inside who uh, you know who told us about the the tables on the inside that uh you know, you have a, a table where there would be African-American prisoners. There'd be a, a table where there's uh, Latinos, another one where there's whites, and they, you know, they, they just kept to themselves. But when they started studying the Bible together, a, nat- a thing just naturally happened and that those tables got mixed. That guys... <laughs> hey, you know, the racial thing didn't matter as much anymore, but they were kingdom followers. And so you'd have three tables where the groups were now mixed, were studying the word, 
And, hmm. uh, you know, just a beautiful yeah. thing to see and to hear about. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. And just um, meeting the guys that were with you at that conference and um, even though I described them on their outward appearance, when you talk to them and when you heard them talk, they used love. They used um, Jesus, really. Mm -hmm. And the transformation was so evident and uh, so beautiful. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So you're really saying that prisoners uh, turn up in in prison and find liberty and freedom. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. You know, I, 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 I kind of see, I kind of see prisons as movement Petri dishes, you know, that it's this, it's this warm medium that, uh, add, add the seed and it'll, it'll mm. take better. You know, I think, mm. I don't know, comparing Starbucks to prisons. I don't know. Prisons is a great place. <laughs> That's fantastic. See the, the seed take take root and grow. During our prison huddle that you're leading with us here in Australia, we had a guy uh, who had been in prison, and he was part of our group. And he he shared about how being prison going to prison in him for him was like fasting, mm -hmm. and gave him space and spiritual longing. Because it stopped him in all the activities and gave him time to reflect, and and suddenly there was spiritual hunger. Uh, we we really need that a lot in um, in our lives, don't we? Time, space to reflect, and space to 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 meet with Jesus, mm -hmm. I guess. And yeah, yeah. I think of one one guy. Uh, he was a his name was Big Jim, and his son was like a a 20-year-old leader in one of our pods and told us he told us about his dad was in at the same time mm. so uh, I got to meet with Jim and uh, Jim gave his heart to the Lord so you've got family members in different different parts of the jail and one of the things that Big Jim would say was I was on a 55-day Jesus vacation <laughs> And, awesome. and that's where he met the Lord, and he's with the Lord now. He's he's been gone for about five or six years, but wow, what a joy to see that guy come to faith. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you now are involved in multiplying and training other leaders, and and uh, I guess uh, multiplying the the vision for disciple making movements what, what are you learning as you as you as you um as you jump into that sphere of encouraging others and training others and what are some of the things that you're you're picking up from your own story and able to pass on to others and you're saying oh well this was this is actually really valuable it's really like gold and and what as as you're passing it to others and you're seeing uh, certain things find traction. What are those things that you're passing on to others, and what's the what's the things that take you by surprise that you've learnt that you didn't realise you learnt along the way? Um, yeah, one of one of the interesting things is the journey as to how somebody becomes involved, hmm. and um, 
invariably it's some kind of personal connection that there is between people that are drawn to prison ministry. There's usually a relationship with a friend, a family member, um, or even just hearing. Uh, my partner, Corey, in, in Kansas City, you know, was praying, God, where's the low-hanging fruit? Where's mm. the fruit that if I just walk by the tree and sneeze, that it's going to fall off the tree? And so people began telling, man, if, if you want to find that, go to jail hmm. Hmm. and you know he's in the cent- center of uh, the US he's in Kansas City and he just he found some ministry partners and just you know just really found that to be true um, another thing that we're finding is that people who start getting involved find out pretty quick that they really need to connect with somebody else that's doing this. Mm. It's it's not an easy thing to go alone. And, uh, you know, to have a fellowship of people that are, that are pursuing this. So for uh, the last three or so years, we've had uh, different prison ministry huddles that are going on in the U.S., some in the... Uh, some in the UK, some conversations in Africa. Mm. And, uh, but, you know, word gets around and, and people start reaching out, man, I'd like to, I don't want to go this alone. I want to be with, I want to hear what's going on in other places. Yeah. Yeah, so just um, the whole dynamic of really going for low-hanging fruit where there is hunger and, and um and I think um, uh, prisons take us by surprise. We often, then, they're, by their very nature, they are locked away mm-hmm. from our, our sight and our view. And, and also, generally, we, we find ourselves potentially quite intimidated by prisons because of the nature of people in the prisons. And, and yet it's surprising to see hey, this is where you'd go for low-hanging fruit. This is where you'd go to find hungry people. Mm-hmm. This is where you actually find people having space yeah. to think about Jesus and hunger for transformation. But then then you're, you're also saying, you know, the importance of team, the importance of doing this with others. You can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. I guess there's a lot of discouragement yeah. in this area. There's a lot of ups and downs a lot of, uh, you know, if you, if you drill down into the uh, beyond the, the flagship story, you, you find a lot of broken lives just walking out their brokenness and um, uh, encountering Jesus in the midst of that. Um, yeah. How do you cope with the downs? Um, I think of a card I got one day from one of the gals we had ministered to on the inside and she said don't give up on us because we're worth it and I thought man that's that's encouraging um, one of the guys that I I invested a lot of years into um, 
His ashes is on my bedroom dresser. Hmm. Wow. He reached all kinds of people on the inside and was one of the most fruitful disciples that we had. And not that there isn't drugs on the inside, but he got away from drugs. And uh, we worked, when he finally got out, we worked with him, and um, within a couple years, he was gone. Hmm. You know, from, from an overdose. And uh, it really shook a lot of people. And um, we ministered to his daughter quite regularly. She um, she was homeless for a while, living in a van and uh, living on the street. She now has five kids. And it's still not an easy time for her. But, um, mm. you know, Scotty, that... We've we've shared his book and we've talked about his movie. Um, he's now pastoring. He's now part of a church where he's he's the prison staff pastor. And this church is totally populated by people outside of prison, coming out of prison, and people going mm. through recovery. And mm. he said one day, he says, "You know what? This is a church of broken toys." Hmm. I thought, yeah, um, the brokenness is very, it's very visible. Hmm. But, um, you know, I, I go back to what Jen said, don't give up on us because we're worth it. Um, just before we started, I got an email from, uh, you know, Chris, one of the tattooed guys that was in, in, uh, hmm. in hmm. Chicago. Uh, Chris is tough, but he doesn't mess with his sister Tammy. Okay, <laughs> he, you just don't. So Tammy, Tammy just got just sent me a text and said, "Phil, I have a friend that that really needs help, and I think you're the guy that can help her." And my response is going to be, "Yes, we can." <laughs> hmm. Yeah. But she has done that before. She's introduced me to people, spiritually hungry people that we've gained, you know, we've come to know and appreciate over the years. Amazing. Amazing. Mm. Mm. What what are you discovering about church? Um Phil the uh, often um we're so um um uh Preconditioned to what church is in in Australia, and I think probably maybe even more so in the US, where you've got uh, a very prescribed model, whether it's a evangelical or Pentecostal or or whatever model of churches that we're from, they're they're basically very similar. Where you, you turn up on a Sunday morning and you 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 have songs and then your sermon and the response and and um, and yet, I would imagine church, the word church, looks very different uh, for a group of prisoners. And what what are you discovering about church um, that as a model for for prisoners that we could learn from? Yeah, I think um, 
you know, when we think of uh, like smaller type of discovery groups, how those can multiply very quickly on the inside, and how uh, leaders emerge and and multiply. But but we're also finding out that large group meetings have a very special part in prison Be- because mm-hmm. of isolation. Um, and maybe some of these uh, these models of ministry where it's come and be ministered to, you know, we're bringing ministry and you can take advantage of ministry by being in this room. Um, there's a value to that. Because um, guys just need a, a larger worship experience than just being a few people. Mm. And getting reacclimated to a, a larger group, but especially too when when you begin to see guys like Scotty who go back in as a pastor or an evangelist, the tremendous um, type of hearing that they've earned because they wore the same khakis, they went through the same things, they've had the same the same hardships. Uh, so when we can send we can send men men and women back in uh, mm. to minister in some of those larger group situations, I believe it gives that larger group situation can give birth to those smaller discovery type situations. So it could happen. It could yeah. happen at both ends, and yeah. um, you know, I prefer certain kind of models and things like that. But then God, you know, turns around and surprises me that you know some of the some some of the prayer movements that are now being aimed at at prisons and things like that, you know, might be starting in, in little churches with few people. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know how to measure that. I think is really is really different. Um, wow. Hmm. Hmm. It's um. It's it's very very important for us all not to get stuck into a pre-described model of church. I think in in either end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. you know when. When we we jump into one, we go well. You know, we can be um, just um, yeah, sold into a model of church when actually Jesus says, "Make disciples," and let church take care of itself. In in that sense, <clears throat> and that can look like a large celebration, and that can look like a small group of three guys sitting around the Bible, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, we're not to prescribe it. I think I think what's really special about what I see with what you do, Phil, is the fact that not just are you reaching prisoners, but suddenly it multiplies. Prisoners reach prisoners. Prisoners multiply. Uh, guys who come in start groups mm-hmm. <clears throat> without um, without um, too much uh, training. Often, well before coming to the Lord, they move to another prison and they take up the the scripture lists that you give them, and groups are started. and And so, the key in all of that that fascinates me is multiplication, and and ordinary people being able to take 
what's in their hand and multiply Jesus and his word to others. Um, what, what's your reflection as a, as a last point of call in our conversation today? What's your reflection on multiplication? Just how, how natural multiplication is when other things are present. Um, I've got a, quite a crop of sunflowers going on this year. Hmm. Um, I plant. I took a sunflower seed three years ago, planted it, and I had I had a, a giant sunflower that had like twenty two hundred seeds in it. Wow! So I just took about a hundred of those seeds, and I put them in the ground, and got these eleven foot monsters, each with two thousand seeds themselves. Uh, so, you know, put them in the soil, add water, things. Um, you know, I think of a guy named Kevin who, uh, you know, young 22-year-old guy, armed, he goes in for armed robbery, three counts in one night. So it was just a, it was a bad day in his life. Mm. And uh, so he comes to the Lord. I baptize him in county jail. And uh, what a great story! He uh, he started a DBS, and each of the uh, each of the prison cells, uh, in this case, has two bunks and two chests where you put your where you put your belongings. So he started a group, and he had four guys sitting on the top bunk, four guys sitting on the bottom bunk, and two guys sitting on each of the of the trunks, bunks and trunks. <laughs> and so he was leading it, and all of a sudden he says, he points at one of the guys, he says, okay, you take this one, and I'm going to go to another cell and start another one. Hmm. So, you know, it's not because I told him to do that or anything, it just occurred to him that this this has to, this has to continue. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. The um, stories of Jesus about multiplication uh, often involve seeds. Yeah. The kingdom is like, mm-hmm. and then he, he talked about seeds that grew and multiplied. He talked about the kingdom being like a, a mustard seed, which is a small little plant suddenly being transformed into a large uh, tree, yeah, and uh, which many birds could find roosts in. And Jesus talked about being like the the kingdom is like yeast that transforms a whole batch or a whole batch of dough, and uh, we definitely see that. Well, thanks, Phil. It's just an awesome um, uh, word of encouragement to be able to sit with you and and hear. Just as we finish, Phil, are there? You know, you know. Quite a number of people in practice as you've been uh, mixing around the place, and there's going to be many others who are listening into this and who are engaging in various ways. What's a final word of encouragement <clears throat> if you would be speaking directly to them, ignoring me? Um, and uh, yeah, what's a, what's something you would like to say as we finish this podcast? I know I was I was with you guys and gals only a short time, but I just love you. And, and pray for you uh, all the time and um, 
I just, I just so appreciate the, your practices and, and the things that you're committed to. Uh, I love your sense of adventure. Going after harvest where, where, where pe- people just usually don't think of going. And, um, you know, I'm just, in the years ahead, there's going to be people who were once in prisons that are going to be your ministry partners in the community. Hmm. And God's going to send them back. You know, I, I think of the, uh, I think of the demoniac in Mark chapter, in Mark chapter five. Uh, you just back up a little bit, and Jesus is giving the parable of the sower and talks about the good soil. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, Jesus takes the disciples across the lake and meets this guy that's chained up in a, in a graveyard and basically says to the disciples, this is good soil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the good soil goes and reaches ten... Ten communities, ten cities, the Decapolis. Mm. And then later on, Jesus comes back through, and there's 4,000 people waiting to hear him. And I really believe that demoniac was the one that set the stage for that. Mm. So, so these people that the world doesn't look at, Jesus would take a boat trip to meet. And to send them. So go find them. Yeah. Go love them. Go send them. Fantastic, Phil. Well, may this uh, season where everything, for us in particular, mm-hmm. uh, talking from lockdown here in Melbourne, yeah. um, we're, uh, we're looking forward to the day when the, the, the borders are lifted and we can uh, travel once more. We'd, l- we'd love to see you again down under and uh, part of the crowd. And yep. also, um, that'd be really exciting. But thank you, Phil. Right. What a great word of encouragement. Love to be your cheerleader. And, uh, <laughs> you're awesome, Phil. We appreciate, appreciate all that you do, mate. Love you all. Okay, then. God bless, David. Bye. Bye-bye.